hey, 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 we're back. We're back. Where, where have you been? I've been, it's been a while. How many months is it? It's been like six months. Since I think we've... it's been about six months since we recorded a podcast. Lots of stuff happened in the last six months. Um, I got pregnant. You Beth? got, an, well, you've been working the same job. but Yeah, you've... pretty much the biggest thing that happened to all of us is that Laura got pregnant. <laughs> And then I couldn't do anything for, like, the first three months because I was, like, on the couch and would not be able to it's get true. off. And also, um, to all of our fans who don't live in Portland, let me just tell you, there's something about Portland winters Oof. that, like, every single citizen of Portland goes into mild hibernation around yeah. the winters. I really believe it's true. We're all kind of depressed. It's gray. It's cold. Rainy. It's like the rain factor with no sun that's really hard for, like, a full, like, five months, you know? It's true. It's a really good time for naps. Yeah. And. Great time for naps. Great time to be in the first trimester of your pregnancy totally when you can't do shit. Really great time to watch movies and TV. Exactly. And read books. So. Stock up on all that. You'd think we'd have a lot to say recently, but we've just been saving it up. We've been biding our time. We've been anxiously waiting to record again (laughs) yeah no but really i do so enjoy recording and for our two fans and uh, (laughs) yeah thanks mom and dad (laughs) thanks meg thanks mom and dad um and yeah it's good to be back it's good to be back yeah talking about the things that we love and hate it's true do you know something that i think it would be really fun to start off with just for like old times sake because one of the most uh, prominent themes, I believe, in season one of Somewhat Decent Reviews was Ireland. Yes. <laughs> because we had just we had gone. Just gone. And we were, like, always talking about it. We were watching ridiculous shows and movies about Ireland. And um, I feel like now we have almost a more, like, relevant one to talk about. Because a movie has just come out about Ireland and it's actually very good I think whereas a lot of the Irish stuff we were talking about in the past maybe wasn't like that good yeah Yeah. or just we were just like all we were just Irishophiles I don't know what Angliophiles Angliophiles but that's like English English. yeah and as we learned when we were in Ireland we cannot refer to Ireland as as anything with the British Isles yeah we don't want to they don't they don't they don't consort they do not condone yeah um, so the movie that I watched about Ireland recently, if we want to start talking about movies, mm-hmm. is The Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. Did you watch that? I watched, um, half of it. I have this thing that I do where I put on a movie and I fall asleep after, like, the first 25, 30 minutes. Um, cool. It's gotten well, worse as I've gotten older, so... And gotten pregnant. And gotten pregnant. <laughs> so, just... Yeah, yeah. It was great. What I saw of it was good, um, but I did have some, some comments about it oh totally so i think that the funny thing about this movie is that i have talked to a number of people some people love it yeah some people are like what the fuck it's very polarizing it's really really a super interesting film came out obviously 2022 so pretty recently just like number a few months ago um because that's right where are we february Mm -hmm. i think it came out in like november december Mm mm-hmm about these two dudes. It's set in 1923 at the height of the Irish Civil War. Um, it's set on an island off the coast. Um, 
believe probably the western coast of Ireland. I think it's kind of supposed to be like set on one of the Aran Islands, but it's on Inish Erin, which literally means Irish island. It's like a, not a real place. Inish Erin mm. isn't actually an island, but set on what I would assume is the Aran Islands, which is a super like nuclear community. They All the people that live in this little area and on this island, they all know each other. They all work together. They all um, you know, drink together at the same pub every single night. And the whole story starts off with like this one character, the older character. Um, what is his name? Brendan Gleeson. That's Ooh. the actor. Yeah, Brendan yeah. Gleeson is the actor. I don't even know what. We Callum? don't know what the character Callum. Names. Callum. 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 I think it is Colm. <laughs> what are you doing, Colm? There's Patrick and Colm. Yes, yeah. the best Irish names you can imagine. So the older character, Brendan Gleeson's character, has for some reason has decided that he no longer likes. Patrick, who's his best friend, his who was his best friend. It's a friend breakup <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the younger guy, Patrick, is played by Colin Farrell, and I believe it's like such a great role. He does a really good job, and Patrick's the character of Patrick is like your stereotypical like dude who's just like small town. He's like he he doesn't have these like grand huge ambitions to change the world he's just really content to like live in his small town and do his little thing and go to his little pub and chill out and the Brandon Gleason character is really attached to this idea of like doing more and being known for something and he's like a musician and he wants his songs to really have an impact etc and so, I don't know. It's, like, kind of just about their their relationship kind of yeah. falling apart. It is interesting because the thing that made me, and I think the thing that makes people dislike this movie, is that, like, there's no explanation for most of the movie, or not most of it, the first chunk of the movie, I mean, a lot of it, about why Brendan, Gle- Brendan Gleeson's character breaks up with Colin Farrell's character. Like, you don't, he, and, and the, the maddening part of it is, like, he's just, like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Fuck you, basically. Don't sit next to me at the bar. Like, the bar where yeah. we're the only, like, two patrons right now. Right. Like, and then he won't explain why. And, and it's eventually, like, like, that's like, such a big fuck you to someone you've been friends with for, like, 20 years, you yeah. know? And what's really interesting is that this whole movie is a commentary on the Irish Civil War. Right. Between North, Northern and Southern Ireland, right? right? So you're thinking about, like, yeah, exactly. There's this giant civil war happening most of the population doesn't exactly know why we're fighting yeah and both sides of the argument seem completely ridiculous and it's mirrored in this relationship yeah. right so the the older character Colm is like if you ever speak to me again Patrick I'm gonna cut off my fingers yeah and the Patrick character is like what why, why? would you do that and then the Colm character is like oh that's it a finger going because you yeah. spoke to me highly toxic and, and highly you're like toxic. wait what the fuck so like this older character column is hurting himself yeah. as a means of punishing patrick's character and and then like and patrick's just confused. patrick's just confused and he's like wait wait hold on like what and he's just trying to be helpful and nice and 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, in, it's, it's a, a really interesting, interesting movie. movie. I think of it also as, like, you're going to like this movie if you've grown up in a small town. If you spent time in a small town, you know what townies are like. And yeah. you have an, a great appreciation and affinity for townies. Like, and if you're interested in Ireland and Irish I mean, it's beautiful. Movies, it's gorgeous. The setting is beautiful. It's very slice of life, obviously, because it's a slow-moving movie about two yeah. dudes that are just in a fight and one doesn't know why yeah. and one won't really talk to the other one. I know. And the, um, the biggest thing that I, I mean, I definitely felt like uh, I liked that it was, you know, a, a story about a greater concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the setting. Obviously, Ireland is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also loved that a all they were wearing knitted sweaters the I whole know. time. I was gonna say talk about slice of homemade life in yeah. the fun fact you shared with me a couple of days ago about these sweaters. Yeah, they're knit by an eighty year old local woman. Yeah, she literally like, sat around and and knitted she knit all these twenty. Like I don't know. I don't know how many, but she knit a lot of sweaters for and a, this movie. Apparently. She went through like many prototypes. So not only did she knit like okay, each of the characters has maybe three or four different sweaters that they wear, but she probably knitted each of those three or four sweaters like ten times each to get yeah. to the right pattern. Yeah. Which as someone we both knit. Yeah. I love making sweaters. I love knitting. We we both do. Knitting, like Molly's teaching me how to knit. So Laura's getting it pretty good. Thanks, Molly. You are doing a great job. But yeah, but yeah, it takes forever. You know how <laughs> it how it's tough to knit a sweater, and it's like requires a lot of work, and yeah. that's no fucking joke. And it's I, pretty cool that this eighty year old lady. Was, I hope they paid her really well. I, me too. I'm like <laughs> those sweaters are fucking gold. Like, I mean, I know how much time and energy and yarn goes into a like goes into a sweater. I feel like you could charge you know two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. So hopefully she did. Hopefully yeah, I she- don't dead yeah and this is also a really great point for us to make about how slow fashion works which is that unless you actually make garments you don't know how much labor goes into it and the fact that we just take like a shirt for twenty dollars and are like oh yeah that's a reasonable price for a shirt it's like actually shirts for twenty dollars require slave labor because it caught it takes hours to make a single garment and it takes hours to make a prototype for a pattern it takes a lot of money to you know get high quality fabric so right you know so if your there's a is... lot of politics in this yeah. whole discussion and discourse but really into <laughs> bottom line really really into the knitting in banshees and inashirin great costume great set really um interesting story yeah. well, well would not watch again probably yeah laura wouldn't watch it again i probably would watch it again like but I also, you know, I watched that freaking other movie that was about Ireland like three times, and you were like, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen." So, <laughs> wild, wild mountain time. Wild mountain time. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so was... good and bad. But also, really curious thing about this, and no wonder I like it so much, is that the writer of this movie, primarily known as a playwright, this is Martin the first. Martin McDonough. Yeah, he's like he's written a lot of plays and scripts yeah. for. It, re- um, it read like a play to me, for And that's sure. the thing. That's probably part of why I liked it. Yeah. I love that kind of vibe where yeah. it's very, it's like a, dr- it's drama. I don't know. Really to me, good. I think the thing also for me is when I see a movie that's very clearly written by a playwright and it, and it reads like a play to me is that I don't think the dialogue feels as authentic to how people talk because mm. I think plays are written in a style where dialogue is very specific and dramatic and has a certain style of like 
phrasing and delivery. And to me, it's like, that's not what a conversation sounds like. And so therefore I'm not yeah. as, I'm not as invested because it, there's something that's off to me. And I'm trying, yeah. I usually mm. spend movies that are written by play, playwrights. I usually spend those movies being like, what is off about this? And then I'm like, yeah. oh, it's oh, a dialogue. It's, it's... Like, it feels weird to me. It feels I'm like a play. I'm basically watching a movie of a play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and But I, I know really that you're a theater that. person, yeah, so you get that, that. And you love it. Um, Great. Yeah, so Great. good film. I, I do yeah. suggest it. Don't watch it if you have a weak stomach or at least, like, cover your eyes at certain points because, like I said, don't watch it the character you... does cut off his fingers. So yeah. you literally see that happening. Oof, yeah, <laughs> like, and don't watch it if you don't like slow-moving like small town movies and i highly <laughs> recommend also um you know watching it with subtitles i had no trouble understanding what everybody was saying but i watched it with my partner who was like what yeah <laughs> what well saying? it's funny too because we've talked about the whole caption closed captions and subtitles thing being like two people with adhd it's kind of hilarious because there's some internet meme that just went around about having adhd and putting closed captions on and how like when both they're of not us... on you you just look at the screen and you're like fine keep your secrets <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like, we don't know what's going on if it's there's like no subtitles. If it, i like realize this in adulthood that like if there's no subtitles i like usually just don't understand a lot of what's going on same <laughs> and it like really, really helps to have captions for me to understand a storyline and I, yeah. that, was, that was a big revelation in adulthood and a good mm-hmm. ADHD, adhd hack adhd hack just use subtitles and also accessibility hack even if you don't think you need subtitles you never know who in the room is going to need subtitles mm-hmm. so i say it's like good standard of practice that they're just on yeah right like it's an accessibility thing so anyways um speaking of scripts yeah and movies yeah one person that I don't think either of us has, like, ever been really, like, super into or super excited by, but we both really got off on this movie, mm-hmm. Jonah Hill. And Jonah the movie Hill. You People. And You People. And to be fair, Jonah Hill co-wrote this movie with Kenya Barris. Nice. But, okay, um, perfect. Who, Kenya Barris also directed it. Love that. Um, but, yeah, we, we both watched You People uh, independently. This movie just came out, so I think it Brand came new. out... 2023. 2023, so like a month ago. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Same. I thought it was very funny. I thought the cast was great. It's like mm-hmm. about a maybe 30s, early to mid-30s. Hey, mid-30s, maybe. Jonah Hill's uh, character is like 35 or white 6. White Jewish man in LA. He works in like stocks. Yeah, he's a, like a financial, financial guy. Dude. Doesn't really love his job, has been wanting to quit, has a side gig, which is a podcast with his best friend, who's like a queer, black, not maybe non-binary person, mm-hmm. um, and they talk about the culture. and the like culture. Things. They LA. live in LA. Yeah. Yeah. They're sneakerheads. They're into fashion. They're into music, like rap and hip hop. Anyways, so this guy, Jonah Hill's character... Um, was looking for love, not he's really not, meeting the right people. And he's people. like, he's Jewish, and his family is very Jewish, and his mom, like, really wants, is, like, always setting him up with these nice Jewish girls. And yeah. he's just like, God, I'm just not really here for it. He's not, like, super practicing. He's, he just kind of is, like, culturally Jewish in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so he meets Lauren London's character, mm-hmm. Amira, and they, like, fall in love. And it's, like, a chance encounter and, uh... They wind up falling in love and through their love story realize that they're from very different cultures, very mm-hmm. different backgrounds. She's also from L.A., but she's from a black family that has been in L.A. for a while, just like Jonah Hill's family. And they're kind they're of... They're also religious. They're also religious. Um, 
And it's interesting because the movie is really funny. It's also really well written in that it kind of talks about all the hard stuff. Um, obviously, we're watching it from the perspective of two white people. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely found like the parts about the Jewish, his Jewish family and like Jewish cultural stuff, like super spot on, which Jonah Hill yeah. is Jewish. So it makes sense. I was mm-hmm. cracking up because I was like, oh my God, this is my family. This is my, like, these are mm-hmm. the people that I, I know. Like it felt really realistic for a Jewish family in, in like yeah. a upper middle class Jewish family way. And it's just like this, I mean, I related to it in the sense of like this white family just meaning well. We're, yeah. We mean well. We mean well. And just we're, like totally trying, fucking But like flailing. completely oblivious yes. to yeah. like the effects of right. just so you're raised. And yeah, and so the two people that wrote this movie, Jonah Hill from LA, I think, and uh born and raised in LA and Jewish, Kenya Barris, also born and raised in LA, black, and he they both like have this connection to LA. They both are comedians and comedic writers. They both like so this is really it feels like a movie that's their own, like very yeah, much of their two worlds. Also cool um kind of like appearances that you wouldn't necessarily think of Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy plays, plays Mira's the dad, dad. Yeah. and he does a great job. He's such a good dad. And what who is it? Not Julie. Who's the Julia mom? Louis Louise Dreyfus yeah. is the Julia mom. Julia Dreyfus is the Jonah is Jonah's mom. mom. Uh fucking Nia Long, babe, like mm. heartthrob of the 90s is uh Mira's dad. Or, I mean dad mom <laughs> is Mira's mom. <laughs> yeah. And then David Duchovny is um, Jonah Hill's dad. So, like, really great cast. And they have, like, there's certain roles, like Jonah Hill's dad, he doesn't have this really intense role in the movie, but every time he speaks, it's just completely ridiculous and funny, and you're like, what? It's totally weird. Yeah. Where is he coming from? Um, So that's that's good. Yeah. I think, yeah, it does a good job of, like, talking about how, I think, how that how like having such different backgrounds and upbringings can really affect a relationship and how at the end of the day sometimes it's like you can be two incredibly compatible people and there's also so much that goes into making a relationship work and if your like backgrounds and your cultural differences are so huge sometimes that's like a whole other thing to navigate and it's yeah. obviously a whole other thing to navigate in relationships always yeah. so. i know that there was a lot of discourse from both the black community and the white community about this movie because it is a really particular coming together of two different cultures and showing uh different aspects of dating uh having a biracial relationship like dating mm-hmm. someone outside of your race um which is always like a contentious issue and like yeah, it's just a really interesting subject area. I definitely connect with that being someone who is married to someone who's not of the same race as me. Um, so I definitely have been in situations where I've gone through like our fa- families, you know, just the the family dynamics that come with that and the conversations that you have to have dating someone who grew up in a different way than you or yeah. not even that, but like looks different than you and yeah, has walked through the world in a different way. And right. so it's it, it is in a lot of ways, I feel like the movie really hits the nail on the head with that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I'm curious to see. To, I've read a little bit of the discourse, but I'm curious to kind of like hear more about yeah, how it rolls out. Because this movie is out. obviously so new, so I think people yeah. are still seeing it, still formulating opinions, still sitting with it. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, definitely think it could go both ways where there are probably be people that are like this is so great and it yeah. really represents what I went through and there's probably going to be people who are like what the fuck like yeah why are you trivializing like this really major issue or 
you know, mm-hmm. who knows what all. It happen. got a lot of hate from people saying like the first chunk of it was really good and then it went downhill. And I found that interesting because I found like the second chunk of it was a little more serious than the yeah, first chunk. Totally. Well, and people didn't like that. And that I mean, there was other reasons that they didn't like it too because, um, but which I'll let you guys read about because we've already been talking about this for a while. But yeah, it was definitely, it is definitely an interesting movie in that it makes a lot of people talk. It's yeah. gotten a lot of uh, different, differing opinions and, like, obviously, like, the online community is very, like, they came for the movie in yeah. a interesting interesting ways. And also, like, definitely want to just shout out to Jonah Hill. He's cool in this movie. And yeah. I haven't seen him, like, drop into roles where he's really, like, the like main lead who like is supposed to have like yeah. sex appeal and he really I mean like he's awesome and I love that that and he's not like a skinny muscly know, white really dude exciting. that is normally the leading man I really hope that like this is the direction that Hollywood is going where we're seeing more body diversity more racial diversity more ability diversity in like as lead roles as the heroes of like their own stories i think that's exciting Mm -hmm. um yeah anyways moving on to do you want to talk about our other movie (laughs) that we watched we watched this one together because i love to have movie nights with friends and i usually try to pick like a silly queer movie or like it's just a silly movie in general so the shocking thing about this movie is that I just, like, assumed that everybody's seen this movie. Yeah. Because it was so pivotal to me when I was, like, you know, 12, 13, It's a 14. queer root for a lot of people. For a lot of people. It wasn't so much queer for me. When you were talking about how it was a queer root for you, I was like, huh, interesting. It yeah. Didn't, when I was a kid, it didn't read as it queer register. at all. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about Coyote Ugly. Yeah. The hit movie, 2000. 2000. Classic. Also, what Molly meant to say, or was saying, is that two of the people that we were with had never seen it before. Not only that, my partner's never seen it. Like, I've been meeting a lot of people who'd never seen this movie. Wow. What's funny is that everybody knows the soundtrack because of Leanne Rhymes. Like, can't fight the moonlight. You know? Yeah. That's good. Everybody knows that song. She wrote it. She wrote that song. She wrote that for this movie. Yeah. But people haven't seen the movie. Yeah. One of the people was, like, so familiar with the soundtrack, but had never... Seen the movie, movie. yeah, which is interesting. So this movie is, uh, yeah, written by Gina Wendkos. Wendkos? I don't know how you say her name. And directed by David McNally. Uh Don't know either of them. I don't. But you know who I do know is, we just found this out today. I always thought that Coyote Ugly was just like a fictional story. Yeah. But apparently it is based off of an article that freaking Elizabeth Gilbert, Miss E. Pray Love herself, wrote. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did that she, she yeah. wrote? I'm pretty sure she wrote E. Pray Love. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to fact check later. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she did. But anyway, she's an author. She's a famous author. Yeah. And she wrote an article for the New York Times about her experiences in the 90s working at this Coyote Ugly bar dancing bar. Yeah. Like. And this whole story was like it was actually based off of her life being a young twenty something working at like a really provo. What is it called when you're just provocatively dancing but with clothes on, like minimal Uh, clothes on? You're just like you're just because it's not a topless bar. I'm not really sure. Yeah, who knows what 
that uh, is called. But wait, yes, okay, freaking a good. I'm really glad that I'm correct. That is Elizabeth Gilbert did re- write <laughs> "Eat, Pray, Love." Thank you, thank you. And she also is the root for Coyote Ugly. And, so and also little, Coyote Ugly. So. Little did you know, Elizabeth Gilbert had a saucy side. Eat. Pray, love, dance on bars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, Coyote Ugly stars Piper Parabo, who's, like, kind of like a B-list actor that's, she's she's pretty good, you know, she's been in Definitely some, her main role was this role. Yeah, she's known for it. Um, and she is, like, a little Jersey girl who's got an accent, who lives with her single dad. She's from Jersey. She's from Jersey, and yeah, she gets called, in the movie, they call her Jersey. That's her nickname um, at the bar. I had forgotten that John Goodman plays her dad, which is just, like, yeah. such a fucking good casting for this role. He's, like, a kind of, you know. He works at a toll booth, and he's real Jersey, real, Real like, working class. Working class dad. Blue doesn't collar want his guy. daughter to do anything off the rails. Oh, yeah. He just wants her to be a good girl, and then yeah. she shows up in New York trying to make it as a singer and gets a harsh she dose of reality. She doesn't want to be a singer, Laura. Remember, she has crippling stage fright. Oh, right. She right, wants right. to be a songwriter, songwriter, and she's told on countless occasions, baby, the only way you're going to make it is if you sing your own songs. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. not to give away too much, but she gets this job at the bar, and there's a fight. And she breaks it up with the power of her singing. Oh my god, it's karaoke. So, it's honestly <laughs> this movie is like so bad good. Like it's actually some like it was better. I hadn't seen it since my youth, and mm. it was actually much better than I thought it was going to be on second watch. Right. Because or however many times I watched it when I was a kid, I don't know. On like rewatching it, it was actually pretty funny. Like I was yeah. laughing. Favorite iconic scene. When she's in her apartment and the person's like banging on the wall, like stop playing music, you hear? And so she goes to the rooftop and, and it's she's like playing on the she's roof, playing her piano. And it's like raining or misting on it's her. It's like very gorgeous, and she has this gorgeous cityscape. And let me tell you, in Manhattan or New yeah. York City, that kind of a view from your yeah, rooftop, right. you're talking like four or five thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> for <Yeah>. your apartment. <laughs> she's famously like in this like tiny ass fucked up apartment that's got like rats and shit but on it. But still. Yeah. The apartment, I don't know, from what we see of it, I'm really into, like, real estate, and I look at these things on TikTok all the time where I'm like, mm, what's this apartment go for? That apartment, I feel like, would even in go, 2000. even in the year 2000, probably would be, like, 1800 to $2,000. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Anyways, she's like, uh, yeah, she's uh, inspired by everything. She g- she goes through some yeah. low lows and some oh, high man. highs, and by the end of it, she's lost her stage fright. She's performing karaoke at the bar for big crowds that come out to see she's her. In, she's in love with she's this in incredibly love. toxic, gaslighty dude. Australian guy. Australian. And Friends are f- enemies to... F- to friends, to lovers. Oh, yeah. The yeah. classic trope of, I'm going to be really mean to you, you're going to be really mean to me, and then we're going to go on a date. We talk about this all the time in our pod, but it's so this annoying. was the it's 90s like the late and 90s, 2000s. 2000s yeah. trope. Yeah. I'm like, no wonder we all struggle, like, millennials will all struggle with, like, knowing what kinds of people we should be in relationships with. <laughs> because we t- Also, though, like, that's what sells. Models. So yeah. the drama sells. Drama sells. And we know that by right now because of, like, shit like The Bachelor and stuff. And which... our other show that we're going to talk about later, Love Island. Is that a segue? <laughs> should we? You guys heard enough about Coyote the Ugly? Anyways, if you haven't, this last uh, thing is that if you haven't rewatched or watched Coyote Ugly, now is a good time to check it out because it is quite entertaining 
Right. I, you don't um, have to. Like, no pressure. It's good. It's really good. But, you know. I, I mean, would like, say give it a watch at the very least just to make fun of it because it is yeah, a very true. fun, bad, good movie. And it is kind of an iconic early yeah. 2000s And you can, film. like, sing along and dance while you're watching it, which is always nice. You can. You could wear costumes. You could wear costumes. There's a theme going on. If you look at the poster, you'll see. Also, cameo by Tyra Banks. Like, oh, Ty- yeah. Tyra, Tyra Banks, Banks actually has a part. She has a part in it. And she does a really amazing dance scene in it. Uh, there's it's several, hot. There's several really hot good. dance scenes in it. So, you know, check it out. Mm, check it out. Um, segue to the other uh, <laughs> show uh, with some toxicity and also... Uh, We're talking about love the pond love island and specifically love island uk because yeah we, we don't, don't mess fuck around, around with the freaking australian shit and the or US the u.s shit. shit yeah those are so packed with drama where we i mean prefer... let's be real the uk <laughs> version has drama too it's just well, they're nicer to each other yeah and we were just talking about this because love island has been on for a number of years now it's like um a small relationship in its own because the seasons are like 40 or 50 episodes there's like three new episodes four new episodes a week it's a lot you really can commit to this overwhelming and we believe our one of the first seasons that i really fell in love with it was the season where molly may and tommy fury got together molly may still to this day is the most successful i'm quoting successful um, Love Island contestant ever. She has like millions of Instagram followers. She just had a baby. Tommy she Fury's runs multiple businesses. Multiple businesses. Although she's like kind of t- a toxic influencer because she works with like Pretty Little yeah, Thing, which really is like a fast huge fashion. fast fashion. Yeah, probably it's really bad. Anyways, Tommy Fury is a fighter, boxer, um, boxer. Fame. So well known boxer at this well known boxer. And the fun kicker is they're like twenty six. <laughs> well, like now they're like twenty four, maybe they no, started. They the started show when they were, were like twenty one or two. Now I think yeah. they're twenty. They're twenty six. Anyways, they're... let's give a little synopsis of Love Island before we jump into the characters. Okay, synopsis. How of would you Love describe Island. it? Um, okay, so Love Island. What we start off with is it's like there's a villa that is located somewhere in Spain. Sometimes they do it. I don't Mallorca. know. They do it Mallorca. All these places. South Africa. Right. Um, and it starts out, there's five guys, five girls show up, and right away they are put into a couple. They're in couples. So it's a, they're all, it's very and hetero, they, boy, girl. They pick each other based on looks. Completely, completely based, based on, on looks. looks, right? And then, randomly, a new person will show up, a new boy or a new girl, and that person is called a bombshell, and they will take some of the people on dates and try to kind of infiltrate and break up these couples. Now, obviously, they don't know each other at all. It's based on looks. So, you know, they'll spend some time together and realize, oh, shit, like, I don't really like this person that much. I want to recouple with someone else. And so then new connections will form, and it's just a dating show. You just, and, like, date and shuffle around and, like, and give each other shit for dating each other's people, even though they right. have no claim to each other at all because exactly. they've known they each other for less week. than a month. Like, and so the way, different than The Bachelor, where there's roses and usually it's one person picking, on Love Island, they switch back and forth, so one week it'll be the boys choosing the couples next week it'll be the girls and they go back and forth typically there's an odd number and so you know often one boy or one girl will go home it's also one of those shows that is super audience participation based like love island has done this was one of the first to do this like you know american idol you call in to vote for people or whatever love island wants there's an app there's like a Love mm-hmm. Island app that a lot of Brits will download 
and you go on there you can leave comments you can vote for your favorite islanders you can vote for your favorite couples you get the power of deciding like who which new people come on who those new people go on dates with yeah you get to pick like sometime they'll be like okay we're gonna have you vote for your favorite islander male islander and then the the two dudes with the least votes are up for elimination and, and so then one of the people in the villa or the groups in the villa have to vote them off so yeah, it's we'll a lot of like fucked up shit but it's also fascinating because it's all about like how these people have formed their interpersonal relationships who's interested in who who want who's right. playing a game or strategizing yeah because you win money at the end win the winning couple and America gets to vote, so it slowly... Well, the UK gets to vote. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. So slowly over time, the, the people will dwindle down until there's four remaining couples. And these couples most likely have been together for a while. They're really solid. They've gone through a number of tests. Their relationships yes. have really been tested. They really love each other. And they really love each other. A lot of them are even boyfriend and girlfriend or something. Yeah. Amazing. They've already... They've already said that they love each other and yeah, they love to be their boyfriend they're girlfriend. really close so yeah it's like fun it's fun from a psychology standpoint that's really the only reason that i watch it i famously will watch like 20 episodes and then get bored and then jump ahead like 20 episodes <laughs> and to I, the end and then not watch the finale because i look it up on instagram and so i famously <laughs> watch every episode the day after it comes out yeah and i'm like watching that level of dedication is just I, I get bored too too quickly with the people yeah isn't and it funny how adhd really shows up differently for it different really people does. because Love Island is weirdly one of those things that I feel hyper-focused on where I'm like, watch it. You have to watch it. You have to know what's yeah. going on. And Laura, you get easily distracted from it because it's not moving fast enough or I just, just like, boring. at the point, I just find that I'm like, I prefer reading my fantasy book to watching 25 episodes of this because they talk about the same five things every week and I yeah. get bored. I mean, 100%, I feel you on that. But you really grow a love. The, the reason I like this show more so than other reality shows because I've attempted to watch The Bachelor and I've watched whole mm. seasons of The Bachelorette. And, um, the Bachelorette's fine. It's the Bachelorette. It's, yeah, yeah, they're both not great, but yeah. you know, <laughs> we, we've bad. watched we've watched it, mm-hmm. and the 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 distinction is just that the British people are just in general nicer than Americans. They're just more like direct. They more don't, better communicators. Better communicators. Kinder hearts. They just like actually like care and want to be friends with each yeah. other. Whereas I feel Which like it's nice to watch. It's nice to watch. It's really nice to watch. It's nice. You know. Um. Well, okay, so that's Love Island. I do recommend watching it. It's fun. It's like watch an episode of Trash TV if you're like if you're doing knitting. laundry, if you're knitting, Great if you're craft cooking, show. if you are looking for something that is low stakes, that mm-hmm. you do not have to pay much attention to, and you mm-hmm. just want something on, that's a great show to watch, because there's a million episodes, tons of seasons, it's really silly, and... You can follow all these people on Instagram after and see what they're doing with their lives. Check out their outfits. <laughs> Check There's out their some outfits. truly outrageous outfits. I just watched an episode where they were having a 90s party and it was hilarious because like so they're all born in like 2002. And, and none like, of the stuff it looks very 90s to no, me. No, it's like you guys really didn't you, you didn't, didn't, get didn't the do any research. No, you did <laughs> not do any. I didn't see one pair of low rise flares that had the I was the like where are the dockers? Yeah. Where are the LEI jeans? Where, where are the junk, why aren't your hems soaking wet from the puddles that you've been walking through? <laughs> 
dragged yeah. on the ground. Why aren't they like slightly dirty because of dragging on the ground? Why is there way too long? Wearing DC shoes. Yeah. And etnies. Chunky etnies and DCs. And like, why doesn't anybody have those like punk belts with like the studs? Uh, yeah, Hot Topic. Hello. Or, or like those little bands that, <laughs> that were like rainbow the, colored. Or the made. bracelets that you made from the inside of soda pop bottles. Yeah, exactly. Where are, are we talking about early 2000s or 90s? We're talking about late 90s, early, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Let's check ourselves. Let's check Anyways. Ourselves. Anyways, let's move on. You mentioned that you would rather read your fantasy book, and I know that that is because you are in the midst of a fantasy series that you really love, and I want yes. to hear about it. Although, that wasn't the book I picked to talk about, but oh I will gosh. talk about okay. it a little bit. Um, I am reading, I'm a Mosshead, Mass, Moss, Moss, Sarah J. Moss, Sarah J. Moss. Um, I'm a Mosshead, and I'm like a reluctant Mosshead because she gets a lot of shit, but she also like writes really fucking um, exciting and engaging <laughs> fantasy books, and they're often like this one that I'm reading is called A Court of Thrones. And no, it's you're <laughs> what you're, am I reading? you're reading Throne of Glass series. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm reading the Throne of Glass series, which like I've honestly seen people throw the book in the trash online because uh-huh. they're so enraged by how bad it is. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you're reading a young adult fantasy book about fairies. Come on now. Like, please be a little bit more flexible about how it's not gonna be everything you want it to be. It's not like yeah. sci-fi or classic hardcore fantasy in the way it is hardcore fantasy, but it's not like traditionalist fantasy. It's not like J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. We're talking right. about like we're talking about like twee, like fucking like girl fantasy, like chiclet, but fantasy style. It's, it's interesting. She definitely has a clientele and she has a vibe and a style Mm -hmm. and she does it really really well Mm -hmm. and the other thing about her is that she's just so prolific she's always coming out with new stuff she's written like 20 books she's just constantly writing it's like and you can get really immersed in her whole world and I I will say I was one of those people who I bought the first Throne of Glass I read it didn't love it bought the second one don't even think I really started it and then I returned them both to Powell's and and got a different book. totally fair. Mostly because I didn't like The character is a jerk in the beginning. The main character is kind of a jerk, and she's also really whiny, and she also doesn't take any, like, the way... She wasn't taking any accountability. She wasn't showing any, like, growth. She was just like, everybody else is mean to me, and I'm mad about it. Yeah, and so the thing that I I will say... (laughs) Yeah, the thing that I will say is that there is a prequel, and I started with the prequel, and I think the prequel didn't exist until after the first two books came out. Right, so I don't think I ever had the chance to read the prequel. So you didn't read the prequel, and I think that if you start with the prequel, you kind of get a little bit more understanding for why she is the way she is, and also a little bit, you like her a little bit more. I definitely didn't think she was a super likable character in the beginning, and now I do really like her. But it definitely took several books for me to be like, okay, I like this character. Normally, Mm. I'm the type of person where if I don't like the main character, or any, if I don't, have an affinity with any of the characters um i won't read it and yeah. for, for for some reason with this series i i was like there's something else there and i think sh- it takes a little bit to get why she's so reactive and mm-hmm. why she's not taking accountability and that is fear she's very fearful yeah and fear causes people to not take accountability sometimes and to become reactive it's true. and as someone who has dealt with being a reactive person in my life I can relate yeah. and <laughs> attest to how 
that fear uh, can definitely make you very reactive when you totally. should not be and should mm-hmm. be more thoughtful and more accountable. So anyways, yeah. we're all working on our shit, but this book series is a takes place in a fictional kingdom where uh, magic is present and magic has been like taken away for a decade and they don't know why magic like went away but magic went away and people are getting fucking killed and it's really intense and then this young assassin girl she's an assassin uh, and she's been trained as an assassin since she was abandoned but she since she was caught in a war and abandoned by a river to die and some guy took Mm -hmm. the king of assassins took took her under his wing and made her his protege and he's like a really fucking hard ass like mentor to her and she grows up under his wing like kind of like learning how to kill people and it's really fucking intense but so i will say trigger warning for violence because Mm -hmm. it is a violent series just like all other sarah j moss books she just throws killing out like it's nothing yeah so that is a thing to know if you're not down for for that element of fantasy if you have been a fantasy nerd for a while though you're probably used to somebody dying by sword so i would say if you're new to fantasy if you're new to fantasy maybe Maybe preface, you know, mm-hmm. your reading with, like, you know, you have to get into the fantasy uh, spirit, and sometimes it's deadly. So. Yeah, totally. Sometimes it's deadly. But, like, so is it's Game true. of Thrones, and I know, fantasy, it always is. So, yeah. you if, know? You're, if you're a fantasy fan, I think that you understand that violence is inherent in fantasy films. Exactly. And, um, it's In fantasy books, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about, like, the main character and how she is really, like, driven by fear in a lot of ways, and, um, yeah, it's like... I'm also reading a fantasy book where the main character is super, like, motivated by fear and Mm -hmm. by her, like, fear of being rejected or her fear of, like, not having friends or not being liked or whatever. And it causes her to have this, like, real hard-ass kind of, like, bitchy exterior. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reading the Scholomance series Mm -hmm. by Naomi Novak. Um, Mm -hmm. The first one is called the... What is it? Um, We got... We don't know. Oh my god! We'll look it up. It's this, yeah, we'll <laughs> list it. We'll list it in the in the, uh, in the yeah. notes in the show notes. Well, I'm. I think the reason I can't remember is because right now I'm reading book two in the series. There's three books. The first one's called The Deadly Education. Okay, and the second one's The Last Graduate, and the third one is The Golden Enclaves. Basically. Yeah, these books are really good. The main character is this girl named Elle. Galadriel is her name. And she ha- goes to this school called the Scholomance, which is the school of magic. There's no teachers at this school. You just learn, basically, from what the school provides you. All of the students have different affinities. Like, they're good at different things. Some people are really good at, like, magic building. Some people are good at languages. They're language track students. Some go- Some are really good at, like slaying monsters or what they call in this book mouths Hmm. (laughs) maleficaria they're like wronged magic like Hmm. you know they've been like made incorrectly or something i don't know whatever um but she's her affinity is that is for dark magic and so she's like always provided the school's always providing her with these like deadly spells and all this dark magic but she's like not wanting to partake in it because she's not like super on board with her inherent evil nature so it's this whole story what a big theme that comes up in these is this idea of balance and they're talking about like how there's good and evil there's like up and down yes and no there's like this balance that's constantly at play in this magical world and how when something gets super shifted out of balance then it has to the pendulum swings the other way right Mm -hmm. so 
like part of her gift for evil came out of like a huge pendulum swing in the other direction where somebody was like too good or too giving or too kind and so she was born and she's like the super swing of the other direction to rebalance she's evening things. the scales she's yeah. evening the scales um it's really good but it's really it's a kind of these books are sort of hilarious because she's so mean and she like does not really want to be like she really wants friends but she's so suspicious of everyone's mm-hmm. motivations yeah and you as the reader get to hear like her inner dialogue and she'll be like i know he's just asking me to be nice and then it'll be like what she says and she's like get up you idiot like stop being like that are you gonna cry or something like that and she's just so mean and then the person's like ow (laughs) but you know that's not what her like real thought is she's just she is just fearful and she's scared and she's been trained to be like this really intense hard-ass person who doesn't rely on or need anyone else Mm. and that's rough it's intense it's a tough life But I highly recommend both of these fantasy series. They're, like, I think both sort of intended for younger adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I love reading books like that. YA books are great. We like We're a big fan. They're easy to get through. They're, they're like, watching an episode of a show. You can Mm -hmm. get through them pretty quickly. Speaking of, um, well, not speaking of YA, but speaking of what we were talking about earlier with fear and mm-hmm. segueing back to adulthood ah. um the book that i would love to just shout out real quick is um called nurture by erica chidi and mm. um it's all about uh conception pregnancy and postpartum and uh ra- raising your helping your body raise a child and I was having a lot of fear when I first got pregnant. I mean, I definitely planned this pregnancy for a long time. I always knew that I wanted to be a parent. Um, and But I've had a lot of fear around it because I've had a lot of people in my life who have really struggled with miscarriage and getting pregnant because queer people don't get pregnant super easily, as we all are aware of. It takes a lot of work and a lot of money to do it if, yeah. you're, if you're gay. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of fear going into this, and um, this book has really helped with, like, um, dealing with the fear of all of that in because it's so nurturing, mm-hmm. to quote the title. It is a very nurturing book. It's written by Erica Chidi, who is a former doula. I think she's still a doula, but she, she started as a doula and then developed a doula practice she co she's the ceo and co-founder of loom which is a doula company as well as kind of like a health and wellness company Hmm. um, based out of la and she's also kind of become like a go-to knowledgeable person about health and wellness as it relates to um pregnancy and postpartum and she just kind of makes um this information really accessible and so when i was feeling like really fearful and just feeling um kind of confused about what to do in my pregnancy journey I felt like reading nurture the 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 overall feeling that I got from it was just one of being held and nurtured and that's so important when you're like scared about some big fucking life 
journey you're about to embark on and um all the fears that surround that about like oh god what if i'm not going to be a good parent what if i miscarry what if i do this this and this wrong you know like sounds like a good book for anybody who is pregnant or wants to get pregnant or is considering getting pregnant or or if you're the partner to someone who's getting pregnant or is a doula or works in birth and delivery um or who has ever been born yeah that's a great book to read honestly there's so (laughs) little the biggest thing that i've also realized in this journey is that i know so little about fucking birth and yeah and most pregnancy is like we don't wild? learn about that we were all born at one point and yet birth and it's that not process taught about is, in school and i think it's because well like most things involving like women's health or people AFAB. with uteruses yeah. health yeah, exactly. health is that it's ignored and it's not talked about and there's yeah. a lot of shame and there's a lot of like we don't talk about anything involving sexuality genitals gender bodies it's like I don't think, yeah, there's a lot that I don't know about, yeah, like health, bodies, babies, like even AMAB people's health. Like, I don't know a lot about those things. Yeah, I wish that we were uh, in the U.S., the old good old U.S. of A., that we were more comfortable with uh, learning about and understanding our own bodies that we all use daily. We all use daily. Because unless you're in that world... You're just like I had no idea that a lot of people throw up when they're giving birth because oh God, they're yeah. in so much pain. Or I had no idea that like you usually shit yourself when you deliver a baby if you yeah. do it vaginally. Had and that no that's clue. like the most normal that's very thing normal about having kids is like and like that's just like normal part of being human or like these yeah. are your bodily functions and your body's response to things and there's and like no like, shame you're doing and something no issue. that's like maybe the hardest thing that your body's ever gone through and so and of course we'll you're go gonna like yeah. shit yourself because you're like <laughs> literally pushing something out of your like body but your like your butt area yeah yikes yikes <laughs> anyways TMI. sorry tmi guys but in case you were wondering <laughs> That happens. That's gonna happen. <laughs> so yeah, thanks to the book that I Aww. read. Well, I'm just glad now. that you found that book. I'm and really that happy it's to. Have, I'm happy to have found it, and I recommend for anybody who just needs a little holding, a little hug when they're. It also includes some incredible recipes because she's a chef, and she, oh, might I say she's so. also a queer. So, so it's a, a queer, queer chefy cookbook birth do, body book. Birth and mindfulness book. Love. All about <laughs> you know like getting right with yourself and your body and taking good care of yourself and nurturing yourself and your future Amazing. babe. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that. What have you been listening to? Yeah I know. I was just gonna say like taking care of yourself and recently I've been listening to and what I want to talk about in music today is not so much a specific musician but I want to talk about a Portland radio station that when I moved to Portland I discovered this radio station and has been like my go-to radio station in my car and at home you can listen online it's 99.1 PRP Portland Radio Project oh um I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, like, KEXP out of Seattle. They do all these concerts. They have, like, a bunch of people there. They're always showcasing local artists. They're showing up-and-coming artists. Like, that's a lot of what Portland Radio Project does. It's all, like, nonprofit. They don't take money from commercial promoters, so it's commercial-free. There's no commercials. But there is talking. Like, people, Mm. there's hosts, and they'll, like, talk about the songs that they're sharing. And it's, like they what is their little slogan they're like we play a local artist every 15 minutes so they're playing local portland bands portland bands bands out of the pacific northwest and recently i've just heard and this is like 
probably one of the biggest contributors to like my Spotify playlists is like I'm driving around I'm like listening to the song I'm like oh my gosh what is this song and then I like will shazam it and yeah I'm adding it to playlists because it's so Mm -hmm. good um I've recently heard this new band called Moonchild. Mm. Have you ever heard of Moonchild? It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, Moonchild. They're super good. Um, just been listening to some of their stuff. Um, Opia, O-P-I-A. That's another one that I've been listening to. Their song Strings Attached. It's, like, really melodic and emotion and, like, just really beautiful. And I just love this freaking radio station. I highly love recommend. an underground radio station. Yeah, add it to your your like favorites. Listen to it in the car. Can you listen to it, it if you're not Portland local? Yeah, it streams online. So if you're not in Portland, you can still stream ninety nine point one PRP Portland Radio Project. You can do it on your like listening devices, Alexa. You can even do it online, which is really cool. It's just a great radio station. They do like themed nights. They'll have like a jazz night. They'll have like um hip-hop nights they'll have like just specific they do like a a queer country evening where they're only playing like queer country i don't know it's really cool it's really good yeah definitely one of my favorite portland radio stations um i need to uh listen to more radio because i recently heard uh that sam smith song that everybody was talking about the grammy performance of with the devil uh the devil worship Oh yeah, I uh, I had never heard that song before, yeah. and Janine was like, my partner was like, "What the fuck? Why haven't you heard that song it's on the radio all the time?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't listen to the radio. I listen They're, to Ologies, my favorite yeah, podcast." Like, some people, I think it's like, um, if you don't listen to the radio, you don't listen to the radio. Yeah, and if you are a radio person, you listen to the radio all the time. All the time. Like I don't listen to my phone in the car. Yeah, most people do. Most yeah. people hook their phone up and are listening to their own playlists. Or... Well, you have an old truck. Yeah, my truck's from nineteen ninety seven. It does yeah. not have a hookup. But <laughs> even if I did, when I did have a car that had a hookup, I was still listening to the radio. Yeah, I'm a big. You know how I feel about you country music, and yeah. I just listen to the country music radio and ninety nine point one Portland Radio Project PRP. Yeah, PRP. <laughs> uh, I recommend. I go through waves with radio. I think when I was living in the Bay still, I was listening to radio every day, all the time. And I don't know. I feel like it just depends for me. And I, yeah. if I find a radio station I really like, I go through waves with that. Right now I've been on a podcast kick. I've been listening to Ologies all the time. Is this the podcast you've been listening to? Tell, tell us about it. Yeah, I'll do a quick podcast review. Um, that's the podcast I've been listening to lately. I've been listening to two, Welcome to the Womb, because as wow, we all, we know, all know now, now. I'm very pregnant. Hey, just so everybody's aware, Laura is pregnant. And all things pregnant are, all things pregnancy are what I'm (laughs) taking in because there's lots about to happen in my life. Oh my gosh, it's exciting. So, yeah, anyways, Welcome to the Womb is one of them. Great Aussie midwife, so she's got a good accent if you're looking for a nice Aussie accent to listen to about all things womb related. Good podcast. Um, But my favorite right now and has been for a long time is Ologies by Allie Ward or Emily Ward. I think her name's Emily Ward. I don't remember. Ward. Last name Ward. She's the host. She interviews uh, different ologists, uh, for lack of a better term. So experts in every single field imaginable. Oh, hey, cat. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so she... Okay, catastrophe managed. Catastrophe <laughs> managed. So, yeah, she... Um, interviews people that are like sleep experts uh the one i listened to recently was about um uh, an expert on melanin 
and uh, skin tone and hair uh, textures and things like that. Um, Super cool subjects. There's one that was recently a dream expert. So his whole thing is that he's been studying dreams since the 70s and like how our brains, uh, you know, process and react. Maybe that's why you had a wild dream last night. (laughs) I did. I had a dream that my dog died and it was really sad. She drowned. Dude, I had a dream the other day that I was trapped in a school and a pandemic happened and I had to just chill out with my classmates and my teacher until my parents showed up. How and long was the pandemic? It was a long time. Short. <laughs> it was a long time. <laughs> it was one whole day. No, I feel like by the time my parents got there, I was like bedraggled. Anyways, we don't have to talk about my dream. It's a whole segue. Dream science. It's a dream thing. Dream science. Um, but yeah, I recommend Ologies. It's uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. It's it and for, also Spotify and Spotify for nerds uh, mm-hmm. like me who just want to learn everything and geek out on every topic yeah. imaginable. If that is for you. If you're fact motivated, this yeah. is probably a podcast for you. And just how things work. It's a very good thing. I just listened to one on dark matter and my mind was blown. <laughs> All right. Do you want to hear about what I've been listening to? I want to hear about your music and, and then, then we're just going to wrap We're going to wrap up. it up. Okay. Don't worry. We had a lot to talk about we this week. About. Um, I just want to sh- let you guys know that there's an album that you should listen to. Let you know. I just want you guys to, to drop some knowledge about this album. Know. Um, so I've been listening to this album called Arches by this artist. I'm going to butcher his name and I'm sorry for that. I am not a Japanese speaker, but his name is Is Isao Tsukamoto. Um, and I'm going to look up how to pronounce that right after we record this. Um, and this album is really fucking cool. It's like a dreamy Django Reinhardt-esque, uh, Kind of like meditative album that is just super, I would classify it as like easy ba- listening, like you can put it on while you're at work or in the background, and it's just like super beautiful, um, kind of like luscious guitar wow, ambient. Luscious. Yeah, luscious. It's like guitar ambient music, but it's like really, really comforting to me um so i play it i work at a preschool one of the schools that i work at is a a school for babies so it's zero to two year olds and i play a lot of like soothing music during the day um or what i find soothing and hopefully they do too and um so (laughs) this album really tell me yeah they can't tell me but this album has been on repeat lately at at school or at work um Isao Tsukamoto Arches really good album give it a listen freaking love some instrumental some uh, easy listening calming Mm -hmm. music like we were saying that's what's needed yeah I couldn't find much info about this dude but he's like uh, you can look him up on YouTube Um, he's like in his early 50s and he's from Japan and he's uh, seems like a chiller he's just he's just real chill real chill sick anyways we love that on that note Thank you so much for tuning in this week um, and for being patient as we have taken our little breaks. We're on time off, but we're back in the saddle. Yeah, we're back in the womb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yikes. Yikes. Definitely not where I want to be. Okay, anyways. (laughs) This has been Somewhat Decent Reviews with Laura and Molly. Uh, See you next time.